0: This is The Edge with Jonathan Vontobel and Matt Eumanns on VCN, the sports betting network.
3: What up folks? Welcome in. We got a good show on tap for you today here on The Edge. We're going to talk a lot of hoops. Uh, a lot of it, because, of course, guess what? The playoffs begin tomorrow, and I guess the real playoffs. Uh, of course, the play in the eight seeds will be decided later tonight as well. So, good sh- um, a good slate of guests are going to be with us here. Vinny Maiulo is going to join us at one thirty p.m. Pacific time. We're going to get the bookmaker's perspective on everything that's going to go down this weekend, how the play-in games have gone handle-wise. Also, some baseball, too, with Vinny. Vinny's a Mets guy, and I kind of like uh, what's going on at the top of the rotation there. And Mike Adams is going to be with us, too. Uh, great NBA mind. He's going to join us in 15. We're going to discuss a lot with Mike and... Uh, what we could expect this coming weekend in the NBA. And that's where we begin, because we did get some news. We actually got quite a bit of news uh, in the NBA this morning, but I think we begin with the most impactful, at least from the betting market perspective, and that would be that one Paul George is not going to play today for the Los Angeles Clippers. Clippers, of course, will take on the New Orleans Pelicans. They will play host to them, with a winner moving on to take on the Phoenix Suns in the first round. Uh, But a seemingly a very big blow for Paul George, who's not going to be available, right? Paul George, of course, best player on the roster at this point right now for the Los Angeles Clippers outside of Kawhi Leonard, who is likely not going to play this year. Uh, Paul George, who came back and led them over the last nine games, 10 games of the regular season to an offensive rating of 125, allowed them in a win over the Pelicans near the end of the year uh, to solidify that eighth seed and put them in position here. You see against New Orleans in three games, he's done a phenomenal job, Uh, 20.3 points, five rebounds and 5.3 assists per game. But I will say this when it comes to the absence of Paul George. Keep in mind that he did miss 51 games this year for a team that was 42 and 40. I'm just not entirely sure in in this current situation – that Paul George is actually worth five points to the point spread, four points to the point spread. The market really reacted strongly here um, earlier this morning. We got to as high as one and a half in a couple of spots, but clearly there was some market correction. Now we're sitting at pick. And you also have to remember, too, in elimination game settings, home court is a little bit stronger, and it it seems somewhat overreactionary to push this all the way to the point where here at the south point now we are sitting on Pelicans minus one. Paul George is a phenomenal player. And in any other season, he would be worth quite a bit. And even from the on-court, off-court standpoint, right, when he's on the court, uh, their net rating improves by 4.8 points per 100 possessions. Their defensive rating improves by 6.6 points per 100 possessions. But baked into some of those numbers, again, it's a short sample size, um, just over 1,000 minutes for Paul George this season. You also have to remember that near the end of the year – If you looked at their opponents, uh, five of them ranked 18th or lower in defensive efficiency. Two of them, Phoenix and Milwaukee, rested all of their starters. So some of the offensive numbers down the stretch for Los Angeles were a little fraudulent. And you saw in the game against Minnesota, while at times Paul George was very effective, uh, this offense has a tendency to get a little bogged down with what they want to do. So I, I just think at the end of the day, Paul George is meaningful to the point spread. I think a Paul George's full strength is worth much more than Paul George is currently like Paul George currently constructed the Paul George that you're currently getting and keeping in mind that with Paul George off the floor, This is a team that has been together for 51 games, right? That has played together for those contests. You just go back to the rotations that you've been used to all year long. So I think the market has gotten a little strong here on the absence of George. It's very big. It's impactful. But this is a Clippers team that we know has made multiple big fourth quarter comebacks without George on the floor. Finished the regular season fourth in defensive efficiency, despite the fact that George missed 51 of those games. This is still a perfectly solid Clippers team at this point. And without George out there, I actually still made this Clippers minus one. Uh, So not a massive difference, but still a difference nonetheless, where as much as I like this Pelicans team, and and I've got them on a ticket at plus 440 to make the playoffs, so I kind of like where this is heading for me at least, because I'm in a situation where uh, I can hedge or middle and get a little something out of this on both ends or make sure I'm not going to miss out on much here with the Pelicans. But I think – the Clippers should probably still be the slight favorite here. An elimination game setting at home with a team that's been together for 51 games, you wouldn't make that team an underdog against the Pelicans who, with their current lineup, they're good. They're 8-2 and two straight up, 7-3 against the spread with a starting five out there. But, again, that's just 10 games. And there are some – strategical advantages here for the Pelicans. They're very big. They're going to start as a front court of 6'10 and seven foot. And this is a very small Los Angeles Clippers team that ranked in the bottom of the league in a lot of rebounding metrics. It's going to be a feather in the cap of the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, they are Their new lineup from just an offensive efficiency standpoint has been one of the best, but you're taking on a team that has been a better team defensively uh, throughout the season. So I think – You'll like this for the Pelicans overall, especially if you're sitting in a position where I'm at, but I still think the market's a little strong in assuming that Paul George is worth this many points this late in the year for a team that has played as many games and won as many games without him out there. Uh, so again, Clippers are catching one now um, across the board. The total uh, right now down to as low as 215.5 a in some spots, and I agree with that move as well, and I think that spills over to this Cavaliers and Hawks game, which in that – through these play-in games, uh, the under is perfect, right? Depending on where you shot four and zero, and that's been the predominant trend here, and that's been a big topic of conversation. And I've and I talked about this with the humans yesterday, liking this to or likening it to a uh, it's an elimination game, so it's a game seven type. And we have seen many times. One of the best examples is: Do you guys remember that uh, bubble series between Utah and Denver? Like every single one of those games was like one twenty-five to one twenty. They were ridiculous. They were high scoring. They get to a game seven in that series. And the scoring and the pace just plummet. And I think that one ended up in the range of like a 98-90. Don't quote me on the exact score, but it was a very low-scoring affair in that game. Elimination games tend to take on more half-court orientation, tend to slow down a little bit. And so not only betting this game under the total, which I thought was the right move, uh, but this other game they were getting to, too. And on top of that, as we transition to the early game, which is going to be Atlanta and Cleveland, we get some pretty big news in this one as well. Jared Allen is going to play, it seems, for the Cleveland Cavaliers today against the Atlanta Hawks. Very big news. It was first reported, at least by I saw, uh, by Sham Sharanya. Uh, right now, the Hawks, will call it uh, consensus number one and a half with a total of 223. You want to grab two and a half. That's still available at one shop, at least out here in Las Vegas. That would be BetMGM. But uh, Allen's, I keep saying this, and I talked about this uh, brand new episode of Hardwood Handicappers with Kelly Bidlin up right now if you want to go check it out. Um It's not so much Allen himself. And Allen, he should be really effective. The hand injury, you wonder if he's going to be as aggressive in terms of going up and contesting and blocking shots. But the rim uh, protection should be there with Allen out there. But for me, when you're talking about what Allen's effect here is on this game, it's actually the fact that he's just going to be out there. Because with Allen at center – Guess what that means? It means Evan Mobley now gets to play power forward, and that's a really big difference, and that's a big change here. If you look at some of the numbers uh, with uh, Mobley out there at power forward as opposed to uh, Jarrett Allen, Allen, when he's playing center, Mobley a power forward. Cleveland defense rating of 105.5 for 100 possessions. A rim percentage allowed of 54.4%. Mobley now gets to shift a little bit more toward the perimeter, gets to contest three-point shots. If you remember, we talked about this where, if you looked at the defensive numbers, since Allen had gone out, defensive rating of about 118, uh, 118.7 specifically, over the course of those games, it was 23rd in the NBA. Three-point shooting for opponents was really high, just above 38%, because a guy like Mobley, who was was really good at contesting three-point shots and getting along the perimeter, was now focused on playing the five, which was boxing out, grabbing rebounds, dealing with opposing centers, and that's not really his game. They were much better offensively because Mobley has some advantages in those spots, uh, but defensively, it, it didn't make a difference or it was, it was a negative there. Because he wasn't allowed to flash on the perimeter as often as he does when he's playing power forward. So ultimately, I took two and a half. We're going to get to more of these and best bets as well. Uh, but I thought grabbing two and a half, which again is still available at one shop out there, was the play because ultimately, Atlanta two. They come across to me and the numbers dictated as well as a very overvalued team this season losing record against the spread as we've talked about losing record against the spread on the road all these because the market tends to overvalue them in a lot of these situations and this is one of them too uh if you looked at it like from my number perspective before the injury news of allen i made this cleveland minus one and again with home court being magnified in elimination game settings Cleveland minus one still tells you that Atlanta is the better team, but laying two on the road in a game seven type setting that that's really strong in favor of Atlanta from a power rating standpoint. And now you get your, one of your better defenders back on the floor with the potential to unlock one of your best defensive lineups. Now, I think there is some value here in Cleveland. I think this should be laying a small number as opposed to catching it. So, Look, we'll see. I, uh, I took my shot against Atlanta with the Charlotte Hornets, and the Hornets, for a second consecutive year, decided not to show up in a play-in. Uh, but I've taken many shots against Atlanta since the start of March, and it has been very profitable. Uh, since the start of March, this Hawks team uh, has really been a um – an overvalued commodity by the betting market. And I think that's uh, popping up yet, yet again here. So, and that guy right there, Trey young, it's going to be interesting watching him match up against Darius Garland. They're going to go after Garland a lot. Uh, And it's not a really good defensive backcourt, but the fact that Mobley's kind of unlocked here a little bit, it is going to be fascinating to see that this guy, um, what he can do defensively against him. Because look at these numbers. I mean, uh, 32 and a half points per game, 11.2 assists and 3.2 rebounds. How that changes now that Mobley can kind of get out along the perimeter, uh, help a little bit more as well. And the fact that Allen is going to be out there to eliminate some of those lob plays for Clint Capella is going to be great. But I think both of these games are going to be fantastic. Even with the loss at Paul George, that Clippers-Pelicans matchup is going to be a lot of fun. So I bet the uh, Cavaliers plus two and a half, no play in that Pelicans game so far, just because I've got that future that I'm going to be messing around with. Now, with that... We're going to get a lot into these Game 1 series and everything. I wanted to hit on a series really quickly, um, and we're going to get more on this later in the show, and I can't wait to ask Micah about this coming up in about uh, 10 minutes or so, which is the Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So it does seem it's, – it's funny how, like, you know when you kind of, like, listen and collect information or whatnot, it's amazing how you talk – who you talk to, what you take in shapes your opinion – So anytime I turn on any sort of media or if I get interactions on Twitter, which I love, by the way, positive and negative, um, the return I've gotten is, yeah, Grizzlies going to sweep them, going to crush them five games. Uh, It's going to be easy. Memphis is going to move on, lay two and a half games. And I just kind of get the feeling here that the market's really undervaluing how good this Minnesota Timberwolves team is and how well they can kind of match up with the Memphis Grizzlies, especially when you're talking about a Grizzlies team that is uh, more infatuated offensively with getting in that floater area of the floor, or getting to within four feet of the basket, not taking advantage of the three-point shots that the Timberwolves are going to be made available to them. Uh, there's so many unique matchups in that series that I think it's going to be a little bit more competitive, and especially because we forget that, you know, these two teams, they split a four-game set in the regular season, they were very, very good games and very tight with one another. So, I think the market's kind of a little – I think they're sleeping a little on Minnesota's competitive nature in this series. But we'll get to more of that when we get to the end of the show and best bets. All right, when we come back, let's talk with Mike Adams. We're going to talk about everything in the association, uh, some of these series. We'll get his thoughts on that Memphis-Minnesota matchup whether or not he thinks I'm a little crazy on Minnesota being a little bit more competitive than people think. And also uh, the trendy dog that is the Toronto Raptors. Am I barking up the wrong tree with the Raptors plus 165 in that series? Let's find out.
6: This is
0: the edge on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: Zin Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine. Nicotine Pouches are smoke free, spit free, and made with food grade ingredients. Simply open the child resistant lid, place the pouch between your upper lip and gum. Boom. One hour of real nicotine satisfaction. Zin available in 10 varieties and 2 strengths. 3 milligrams for fresh nicotine satisfaction and 6 milligrams for even more nicotine enjoyment. Simple and discreet. You can enjoy Zin anywhere, anytime. Find your freedom, find your satisfaction, and find your Zen. Visit zincom That's ZYN.com to learn more. Find Zen Nicotine Pouches wherever you are. They're only for adults 21 year older, who are currently used tobacco or a nicotine. A warning. This product contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right. Uh, let's continue the conversation, the weekend preview, the NBA postseason preview. Micah Adams, uh, Sporting News is nice enough to give us some time here today to talk about, as much as we can in about 12 minutes, about the association. Micah, it's really good to talk to you, man. I appreciate the time, so uh, let's start with today and I actually wanted to start with Cleveland and Atlanta. Uh, I'm kind of geeked up to see what Jared Allen has here for the Cleveland Cavaliers and I'm more excited because now Evan Mobley kind of gets to shift back to that power forward role. He's a little bit better in that role defensively. Am I wrong to think that with him back a power forward and, and and uh, Allen at center here, that defensively, this is going to look night and day for what we've seen over the last 18 games or so.
6: I think it's the worst case scenario for Atlanta, uh, especially given the status of John Collins, right? Like, Gallinari doesn't want any part of Evan Mobley on either side. Being able to shift him down to the four uh, just frees up and unlocks everything Cleveland wants to do. And I actually think, it, you know, in a weird way, yeah, Jared Allen is, is coming back. He's obviously not going to be 100%, but. Even just having that body in there, uh, just not only sliding Mobley down, but somewhat neutralizing the damage that Clint Capella can do on the offensive rebound. Uh, they have another rim, another rim protector against those rim rolls that Elena loves to do with Trey Young coming off the high. High screen and roll, So I, I like Cleveland tonight back with Jared Allen uh, in the
3: full. And when you're talking about, because one of the things that has been weird for me about the betting market here is like, they've had this weird obsession with Atlanta all year long. Like This has been a team that's been power rated really high. And, and in an elimination game setting where we're going to see this kind of might like, take on like a game seven type atmosphere. I think it's pretty surprising to see Atlanta favored on the road against Cleveland.
6: I agree. And, and you know, uh, one of the, perhaps the single biggest, problem with Atlanta the entire season has been just their role players have just completely disappeared, right? Uh, as great as Trey Young has been leading the league in scoring and assists, he might be an, all, an all-NBA third-team guy, might slide onto that. They just really haven't gotten much from their depth the entire season, and that's exactly what they're going to need on the road in order to win. I know this was not the same Cleveland team that was, you know, flirting with the best record in the East for the first 40 games or so, but I, I just I don't like I don't like the matchup uh, with Mobley coming back. I don't like the recipe uh, for success that would require Atlanta to go into Cleveland and get the win. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm a little bit befuddled as to sort of why the perception of Atlanta is. Uh, as it
3: is. Yep. All right. Let's go to the other play and then. So, uh, full disclosure, I'm a Clippers fan. Uh, this team has been a lot of fun, especially just this iteration under Lou. Uh, but I am kind of surprised. Paul George is a really incredible player, and Paul George is important for what the Clippers do, Mike. But at the same time, if I were to <laughs> tell you a guy that's missed 51 games this season is worth four or five points to the point spread, I, I think we'd all kind of be like, oh, Really? Is that is that honestly the case? I'm I'm a little surprised that the market is moving so strongly in the direction of New Orleans because Paul. George is important, but I don't know if he's worth four points given that this team has played fifty-one games together without
6: him. Yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's a veteran team that exactly what you said. If, if I would be much more concerned if they if Paul George had played seventy-two games this season instead of thirty-one, I think there's a different conversation to be had, right? But I mean, this is a team that uh, put their record up largely on the back of the defense, or largely on the back of veteran players that aren't afraid of any situation. They're adaptable. Uh, Ty Lue, if you were to stack up all 30 coaches in the league, he might be the single best at in-game adjustments uh, matchup specific So I think on talent alone, you look at New Orleans and you, and you think like, okay, they have CJ McCon and Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas at a 39-point game against this same Clippers back in December, but I do think that the Clippers have what it takes in order to kind of throw this young New Orleans team for a little bit of a loop. I like the Pelicans, but I I'm I'm very nervous for
3: them. Yeah, and I've got well, trust me I've got them at plus four forty to make the playoffs. So I'm a little nervous about this as well. But really quickly, uh, you know, I've been kind of harping on this over the last month or so, and the reason why I made that bet was, you know, this starting five for them, although it's been sparse in the way they've been able to play that. I think they've only played ten games uh, with all of them starting. I've got them down at eight and two when they got this new starting lineup out there. But it's been really effective. How big of an advantage in maybe a slower elimination type game is is six foot ten and seven foot in the front court and the ability to offense a rebound like the Pelicans? can in this matchup.
6: Yeah, I agree. I think the, the combination of that size in the front court and then unlike years past, you now have two guys that can go and create their own shot. I mean, we, we've seen C.J. McCollum be the best player on the floor in a game seven uh, in a series that had Nicole Jokic and Damian Lillard in it, yep. right? Uh, so C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram gives them two guys uh, late late shot clock, fourth quarter, that game gets tight. I trust both of those guys I think more than I do – anybody on the Clippers' side with Paul George out. Uh, And so I think the combination of half-court shot-making along with that size, of that starting lineup, uh, that's where I tend to favor New Orleans. But, I mean, that's that's all on paper and theoretical. And, you know, we'll see if that young team has what it takes to, to sort of shake free... From
3: Tylee's wizardry, yeah. So that, and sometimes you just got a team full of veterans who just made it to the Western Conference Finals, and they just know how to uh, win in some of these situations. So Mike Adams with us again. Sporting News. Let's get to some of these series. Uh, am I crazy to think? I, I, you know, every time I, I kind of reach out and ask anybody what they think about Minnesota and Memphis, I get a resounding "Yeah, Memphis and five uh, You know, short series. I, am I crazy to think that Minnesota is going to be kind of competitive in this series? Like, I believe the Grizzlies should be favored. I, I still think that they are going to win this series, but I would not be surprised if this is like an uber-competitive six-game, maybe even a seven-game type of series?
6: The one thing that I think that would make me a little bit nervous is if I was Memphis is Minnesota kind of reminds me a little bit, of, honestly, of like a college team in the sense that they, they can get hot at any given time, and they have about four or five guys that can just start Feel like Moeke Beasley will randomly have this game where he hits a 3 yeah. Anthony Edwards will turn into Milwaukee Bucks' Ray Allen. Carl Anthony Towns, I, I don't know what on earth happened the other night, but, I mean, yeah, he's probably going to be an all-NBA center. So I, I just I think that they have enough offensive firepower uh, in order to hang with, with Memphis and keep it interesting. I, I do – part of me wonders if, if there's – not like they're happy to be there, but I kind of feel like, you know, the, the burden is already off their back. They've, they've already accomplished what they've set out to do. I do think that this Memphis team in particular – has been so dialed in the entire season on both ends of the floor. Uh, and and I, I don't know. I think you just look top down, like entering the year, Dylan Brooks was probably their second best player. Now you look at him and he's like a luxury fourth option <laughs> yeah. on this incredibly deep team. So I like Memphis, but I do understand the case for why you might think Minnesota makes this competitive.
3: Yeah, and Memphis uh, opens up in the first game as a seven-point favorite. Uh, that's down to six and a half, so there is, and I was, a, I am in on that seven. Uh, there's a little resistance there from the market, too. It's uh, it's crazy. The market really likes some of these teams, and when they get a hold of them, they will jack that power rating up. So right now, Grizzlies $3 favorite in that series over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, all right, there's a lot of good series here. Let's go to Toronto and Philadelphia. Get your thoughts. Uh, Toronto is setting up to be a pretty trendy underdog, and I and I'm on that side. I took plus 165 in the series. I got him in game one at plus four and a half. Uh, and I don't need to tell you all the weaknesses that Philadelphia has, the non embed minutes. Am I barking up the wrong tree here that I think Toronto is extremely live to uh, upend this series uh, for Philadelphia and send him packing early?
6: If you look at every single team Joel Embiid has gone up against in his career, he's done worse against Toronto than anybody else by pretty much every, other, by every metric uh, imaginable. Now, some of that is, you know, Toronto doesn't have that big, huge front line that they used to, right? So you have to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. But I just, I've been really concerned about Philly's depth since the minute they made that James Harden trade. And I know that, you know, we're to the point in the season now where depth doesn't matter as much, but depth still matters when it comes to your, you know, your three through six. Maybe not your seven through nine back into the rotation. But, but I mean, Matisse Seibel not playing in half of these games is a really big deal. He spent more time guarding Pascal Siakam. Uh, than anybody on the Sixers. So, you know, if you're Doc Rivers, are are you going to throw Joel Embiid on Pascal Siakam, make him chase him around, get him gassed, or or are you just going to be completely undersized the whole time? Are you going to have to throw a double at him? So uh, for an already thin team to be missing their single best defensive weapon against Toronto's best player, I do not like that. I don't trust James Harden. Uh, I don't, I mean, I, I just, I don't trust Philly's bench. I think Toronto is uh, just an incredibly odd, weird team that is really – it's sort of like a Hydra, right? Like you cut off one head of the snake, three others others grow. Uh, I like Toronto in this series. I I think it's going to be incredibly entertaining, and I think it's guaranteed to go six or seven.
3: Mike Adams again. at Mike Adams, 13, up on Twitter, Sporting News. Uh, Mike, it was really good to talk to you. We're up against it, but I appreciate the time, man. Thank you.
6: Absolutely. Anytime. Have a good one.
3: Yep, you got it. All right. It's always good when smart people agree with your opinion. So, feel a little bit better about that and some of the, uh, the series bets and uh, pre-flop bets I've made for the upcoming NBA postseason. So, we'll get to the rest of the series uh, coming up. We'll also get the Bookmaker's perspective on everything NBA and Major League Baseball. As I mentioned in the top, Vinny, uh, Vinny Mayulo standing in the studio with a couple of other guests as well uh, who we'll get to talk to. And uh, I think we're about to have a conversation that I'm not about to be thrilled about, but still, uh, <laughs> we'll have all that more when it looks like the guys in the desert are going to come and jump the set. Hey, McGill for the Mets, huh? That kid's got something going. I like that guy. All right, a little baseball, a little bit of the NBA, and just like a potpourri segment when we come back.
5: This
0: is the Edge on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Prove your fighting spirit with the playoffs challenge presented by Modello. Play free fantasy hoops in the eight-part contest series and compete for your share of $4,000 per contest. Head to DraftKings.com slash Modelo. Now, to get in on the action, Modello, prove your fighting spirit. Now, I had a fighting spirit at one point in my life, and then I had two children, and, you know, I was young and foolish. Uh, and that fighting spirit was personified in the greatest sporting event that I've ever participated in. The guys in the desert here, Vinomailo, Jimmy Vecario, Chris Andrews, draw here as we remember the greatest feat ever. <laughs> My attempt at the Jimmy Vecario Hot Dog Challenge. I had to take down seven hot dogs in 11 minutes and keep them down for an hour, and I failed. Didn't happen. <laughs> no, Didn't happen. Joey did Chestnut
5: was shaking. He was he was petrified. <laughs> well, let me about just say. This. We got this right in our office. Yes. And every day we look at what happened to that skinny kid that with the yeah. uh, Andrew Luxer. First of all, what happened to Andrew Lux? Second of all, right. what yeah. happened to the skinny kid in this picture?
3: That's right. That was that was P ninety X and chicken and like broccoli and all sorts of things. And then the two kids came along.
6: Yeah, but how about this? Even of that silly move that you made, your career is skyrocketing. <laughs> Us three old guys ain't got a freaking clue if we can get a check next week.
3: You know what it was? It was the uh, the Arena Football League stuff. That's when it started at off. When, you, when, <laughs> when <laughs> yeah. you guys were hanging numbers for me. I tell them it. how
7: many you had. How many hot dogs?
3: Uh, I think I got it's five and a half down. I got five and a half down before I, I had to tap out. And yeah. I always tell people, because the hot dogs here are great, but you know it gets you. And I've, I've actually spoken mm-hmm. to professional eaters about This it's the taste. It's the repetitive taste. By the fifth one, it wasn't that I was full. It was that I could not physically taste another hot dog without like like without heaving.
7: Well, we're 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 here also to uh, give you a little surprise. We have we have you eating. Five tacos, you know, July 4th.
3: Okay. All right. (laughs) Five, that's easy. I mean, look at me now. That's easy. Five, that's not a problem. You might have to bump that. Yeah, Yeah. this number would not be
5: the same if it (laughs) was the the current JVT. I can tell you that.
3: Yeah, you guys set the number. You put put the no. I remember,
5: like, minus 500. I remember it very well. JVT, doing well. And now hosting, buddy. Good, uh, good job. That's what I just. I wanted to bring some reinforcements with me today. Thanks, when, uh, guys. You call. And well, i want to uh, say. In all honesty, we, the three of us, a, stood behind JVT when he was just a young pup.
3: Right? Yeah, that's we right. Knew you guys had. We knew you had big things in front of you. So Thanks, you've man. Done a hell of that's a job. right, buddy. So. Thanks, guys.
5: Appreciate it. And that's up For in sure. your office, huh? It's every, in my office. every day, yeah, right? Cool. In yeah. yeah, I love it. When you get off, to come see you. It's a, it's. Right there, we had a yeah. Had awesome, right thanks guys. Appreciate yep. that. Absolutely. We didn't love you, we wouldn't bust your chop. <laughs> <Well>, of course, <laughs> yeah, of course. That's the
3: best way to show. it. That's why humans. Humans will never say it. But humans loves us, right? <laughs> We're going to get a picture Have of humans when so he's guy. in here. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get, his, thank we'll thank get his
5: picture in here next week.
3: <laughs> all right, Vinny Maiulo is here. Of course, uh, we got a lot to get to uh, over there. First off, um, uh, let me ask you this. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll just ask this because you know I'm an NBA guy, but baseball's yeah. underway. How's it treating you in terms Base- of day games, all these things that are out there?
5: Well, yeah, love it. I wish. I love this time of year, and in in the latter part of the year, but we're seeing more day baseball. Particularly, you know, it's not just getaway day, yeah. JVT, like Thursdays, uh, Wednesdays. I wish there was day baseball every day, because what it does is set up the the evening. I mean, people love action. So we, you know, from a business standpoint, day games are are phenomenal. Now, of course, today you got the two home openers yeah. in two great markets uh, in Boston with the Red Sox and, of course, at City Field uh, uh, with the Mets. But uh, baseball's been good. Uh, people have uh, responded uh, to it uh, quite well. And not only uh, keying it to, to other baseball games for those folks that are you know, making the, mm-hmm. uh, the multi-leg uh, bets, parlays, uh, but intersport as well. So uh, uh, from a business standpoint, baseball's uh, off, uh, off and running, and we're, uh, we're pleased with it so far. Your Metropolitan's up 10-1 right now over the uh, Arizona yeah, Diamondbacks. Yeah. How are you feeling about them? Well, you know, JVT, it's very early. I mean, uh, you know, no question. And and you have to – when you're in this business on our side of the counter, uh, you're kind of torn, right? So uh, they bet the Mets today. So, you know what, Uh, that's okay. Uh, But I I feel good about them. I'm still still a fan, I guess, at heart. I like to see them do well because if they do well, it is is good for our business as well. But I think it's real. I don't want to jump the gun. I think – this pitching staff. I, I know one thing. They went out and spent a lot of money on players. They mm-hmm. want to start looking at the training and medical staff. Yeah, tell you what, <laughs> when you look hey. at what's happened to this uh, this uh, pitching staff the last few years. You're
3: uh, you're talking to a guy who's an Angels fan, and I think it was like six years straight where somebody had to get Tommy John surgery for that team. Yeah, because it was, yeah right. It was I mean,
5: insane. you know, and, and you know, of course, yeah, you're an Angel. I know, and you got Syndergaard now, which didn't pitch at all last year. So, but. Uh, yeah, they're off. Uh, they're off to a good start, and uh, looks like uh, they're going to get the, get the candy today.
3: All right, let's talk some NBA playoffs. Yeah. Uh, first off, these standalone games. Uh, how do they do from a handle perspective? What's a comparable event? Because I would think like the first day was probably a little bit better, right? Second day, not really marquee matchups. Hawks and Hornets, and then Spurs and Pelicans. Probably not that sexy. But when you get the the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Cavaliers yeah. and everything mm-hmm. that they bring to the table, Clippers and Timberwolves. I would assume that those did a little bit better from an action standpoint. They,
5: uh, yeah. A, a little bit more action-wise, but again, pe- people adjust. Jbt, yeah. you know the fact is that these these are playoff games. Uh, people do migrate to them, particularly day of, right? I mean, professionals will get involved. They'll look at what's posted early, uh, especially with totals. And and you know we're seeing a lot, we'll get to totals in a minute, but uh, um, the the fact that uh, uh, they they are standalone games. It's still the NBA. Uh, do they do more than a normal look at it do they do more than a normal uh clippers timberwolves game yeah, oh, yeah because it is a playoff game and by the way you also have a pretty good idea of who's playing and, and if yeah. somebody's out there out right there there's no really guessing right there's no load management and things like that uh i mean obviously now we got some some covid issues today yep. uh, which uh, we'll get to but uh you know um totals uh professionals more involved with totals and you know this because you do a terrific job of following in and breaking down uh, the NBA. Uh, you're our top NBA analyst here at uh, at Visa, and no question about it. We've we lowered the totals, JVT, but they're still betting them under, right? right? And again, more defense at, uh, during the postseason than during the, during the regular season. So adjusting totals is going to be uh, something that we, but adjusting them, moving them much quicker, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, not just in half point increments because there's very respected opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, betting, uh, betting the totals. When
3: I keep making the case that it's not even so much that you you know you get better defense. It's also these, especially these playing games, specifically tonight. These are game sevens. These are elimination games. These yeah. are winner go home. And we know the trend in the history behind game sevens, mm-hmm. which are they get agonizingly slow. They become very much half court oriented. Yeah. They're going to be under 100 possessions because mm-hmm. every possession counts. Because you don't win this game, then your season ends.
5: So for betters uh, adjusting to that, I guess not just pregame, right? And looking at it, and who, who you know, how's the number moving? How are the, how are these games? moving and things but also for in-game yeah. right now there's the there's where the eye test yep. comes in right And I know you follow the in-game uh, uh very closely as well so again for folks out there uh if you are going to get involved in game you know what it doesn't hurt to, to to get get some eyes on it see what's happening because again if did somebody get hurt or somebody in foul trouble things like that too which will add to the number of possessions and the style and thing. the eye test Uh, Again, a lot of people think that's old school, but I think if you incorporate the eye test with the analytics uh, element of it, then certainly you're gonna, I think, be in a much better position. You're gonna be much more educated and make better decisions.
3: I find today really interesting because we got two big injury news like news updates. Yes, so we get we get the Paul George news, which that affects the market greatly. What number did you you guys did you guys go to Pelicans minus one?
5: We uh, we've got the Pelicans one now. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's the uh, the change there. Jvt tonight, and uh, of course. Uh, the other, uh, the other news was is uh, tomorrow, right? With uh, with Luca.
3: Well, not uh, not even yeah. Luca today. Jared Allen, Allen and, and, and as now well. being available for the Cavaliers. And actually, so yeah. I was thinking about this from like a football perspective, Vitty, and you could speak to this. If a wide receiver goes out. It's not going to move the market, right? Right. right. The point spread is going to remain a point spread, unless it's an. I think there's probably a few exceptions. A Jamar Chase potentially would move uh, maybe a half a point, something like that.
5: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill right. type of. Yeah. Right. So, um, but I think in in the grand scheme of things,
3: kind of likening to that, when a center comes back, I don't. The market kind of is like, eh, whatever. Like maybe not. I think personally that by like the way I break it down, Jared Allen coming back should actually be more impactful to the point spread today than Paul George not playing. Because you think about it, Paul George has missed 51 games. That's he, he, He's barely played for this team. They have 51 right. games on their belt without him. Jared Allen, there's so many different trickle-down effects. Evan Moby gets to play power forward mm-hmm. now. They got yep. their good defensive front unit. Uh, I've been surprised by the markets just like, that
5: yeah, it's a center, it's fine. Because I think I think it's a really big move there. It's, it's ju- not the position, it's who, right? It's the player. I mean, we saw it really when you looked at it. Look at John Morant. Like, yeah. w- w- think about that. What a what a terrific player! You know, great scorer. Not a real lot of actually. They had by the end probably of the year more successful <laughs> yeah. And again, it's not a knock on him either. But who is the player? How does it impact the rotation? How does it impact just the overall performance of the team? I think your point about Paul George missing so many games, Kyrie missing so many games. Now you got the Allen. That's a whole different story because again, on the other side of it. Uh, you know they there's somebody who's been consistent and you've got more of a sample uh, mm-hmm. size to to go from so uh, yeah but you know what everybody's like wait you have to you still have to adjust you got to look at it and take it into consideration um, you know but that's uh, that's where uh, your analysis yeah, right. and pointing those things out is important for folks to follow
3: uh, last 45 seconds that Brooklyn Boston series what's it like when you action wise?
5: Uh, that's going to be a great series. Yeah. It's, uh, we've seen uh, terrific action there, and I know some folks had uh, uh, the Nets as initially opened as a favorite. East uh, Coast, yeah. Christy uh, got ahead of it uh, here. Uh, opened uh, the Celtics at all thirty-five. So I think you're seeing thirty to forty on the Celtics uh, as a general consensus. But we never had the Nets favored.
3: That's got to be uh, that's got to be probably I would think the most popular series the
5: uh, so far. I think you'll see, believe it or not, the Nuggets Warriors. I think will be yeah. pretty popular as well, particularly here here in town. And then uh, whoever the Suns uh, Suns go up against because the Suns have been more popular in the last couple of years too.
3: Rematch of the Western Conference Finals, baby. There You go, Vinny yeah. Maiulo Visa, Vinny. Thanks for coming in, man. Always good to there. be with you, JVT. You Anytime, buddy. All right, we'll come back. Best bets and more. we wrap it up here on the edge.
0: This is The Edge on vSen, the Sports Betting Network.
3: NFL Draft is here in Las Vegas. We're going to have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from Matt Humans. first one's up already. So go check it out. Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, is going to give his draft analysis. v host Mike Pritchard, a uh, 13th overall pick, right? He made sure to correct us, and I agree with the correction. Make sure you get it right. And former quarterback Sean King is going to give you the insight you could bet on. Also, legendary sports broadcaster, voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, Brent Mossberger is going to give his draft best bets in our NFL Draft betting guide. Sign up today. Get full access to v through the NFL Draft for only $19 at vison.com slash spring yes spring is in the air as are the NBA postseason yes we are here I've been calling this the postseason um I know it's like the play-in so it's not necessarily the playoffs but we are after the season so postseason and I think that's what we get here um so let's start with best bets, and we're going to get to some other series analysis and try to get through some of the game ones on Saturday. A quick update, too, for those who are wondering. Um, we're, going to do, we're going to start doing the daily betting market reports every single day uh, starting on Sunday. So for those of you who like the daily write-ups on uh, Monday through Friday, those will be expanded throughout the postseason for every single day of the week as we now get into uh, some really good action in the NBA. Uh, but with that. Let's talk a little best bets. First off, there's a couple that we already have talked about throughout the week. Uh, The Toronto Raptors catching four and a half in that first game against the um, Philadelphia 76ers. That plus the series bet, plus 165. Talked about this series a little ad nausea, but it's a really interesting series to me. I cannot wait for it. But it breaks down to... Toronto, I think, has many advantages in this series against Philadelphia. And it's not like I think this is going to be a cakewalk by any stretch. Uh, this has seven games written all over it. But when you factor in the the advantages that Toronto has, the fact that a home court is um, – Amplified with the absence of Matisse Thiebel in those road games. Uh, I just, I like this team to potentially win this and move on against the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I will say the caveat in the devil's advocate stance against me here is the fact that maybe, potentially, um, the health of Fred Van Vliet and OG Anunoby are going to work against me. We'll see because uh, Nick Nurse is a little coy there. But that's the plays that you already know about. Let's go over the two here that we're discussing. First off, Cavaliers plus two and a half against the Atlanta Hawks. We talked about this with Mike Adams. If you want to follow – excuse me, uh, get back on that conversation. Decent.com slash podcast. But I think the return of Jared Allen here is huge. It's massive, both literally and figuratively. The fact that Evan Mobley gets to play power forward now, now he gets to stalk along the perimeter. I thought it was a great point by Micah bringing up the fact that a guy like Danilo Gallinari just want, does not want the physicality and, and the nature of Evan Mobley, who's going to be all up in his grill almost every single second of this game. Because now, remember, John Collins isn't playing, this makes a really big difference. Those lob threats aren't going to be there as much anymore with Allen out there on the floor. You now have a freak like Evan Mobley to go and switch and do all sorts of things defensively. And again, we're talking about an elimination game setting in the NBA postseason where games are going to come down to a grind. Home court is magnified, and now we're talking about the Hawks still laying two in this range. Allen's return's big, and for me, a game that I already thought should have been Cavaliers minus one before the Allen news, uh, still at two and a half in some spots. It's worth playing there for me, so I will uh, I'll do it again. Go up against the uh, the Atlanta Hawks in a play-in setting with today with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the addition that you saw on there on Saturday, uh, this number's down to six and a half in multiple spots, still seven out there that's straggling around Minnesota Timberwolves plus seven against the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, I, I kind of alluded to this, Micah, and it's going to be in the Western Conference first-round series previews. They're going to be out later today up on the website, jvt. Do I think that Minnesota is going to win this series against Memphis? Probably not. Um, but at the same time, do I think that Minnesota is a sneaky, difficult matchup that's going to put forth a very competitive effort against Memphis? I think so, and I think the market – has really bought into this Grizzlies team with the way that they ended this year. And how can you not, right? 20-2 without John Morant straight up. I believe it's 19-3 and three against the spread. Offensively, they're extremely electric. They get up and down the floor. They have a star in Morant as well. But at the same time, remember that these two split the four-game set, two and two. Timberwolves actually came out with a plus-nine net rating through the four games, but that was because of a blowout. But to me, it's just, again, let's go back to this from a power rating perspective. The Grizzlies here laying six and a half, seven in this game at home against the minnesota timberwolves they met on february 24th memphis on the road plus one and a half or they were laying one and a half in minnesota when they met on january 13th at memphis grizzlies close as a four point favorite at home in that game against the minnesota timberwolves uh, minnesota at home laid two and a half in their second matchup back in november the first time these two teams met at memphis grizzlies closed four and a half so two home games in memphis in this regular season series they were four and a half point favorites but for some reason The market thinks now we're going to bump this up to seven. Now, again, we can talk about the strengthening of home court, but, but home court was worth less than two points this year. So unless you're magnifying home court here for Memphis, for some reason, by more than four points, it just doesn't get you to a seven point spread in a four game series that was split. And when the home team laid no more than four, four and a half points in this matchup. So I took seven here with Minnesota, and I think this is the strategy I'm going to go with as we move forward in the series. I think the Timberwolves are going to be pretty competitive, and if you're going to tell me in games three and four, because that's what this number would tell you, that the Timberwolves are going to be catching points at home against Memphis, I think I'm going to be involved on a side perspective on the Minnesota Timberwolves until you see some market reaction, or until I get my face kicked in because the Minnesota Grizzlies, or excuse me, the Memphis Grizzlies, are kicking in the face of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, today, Cavaliers plus two and a half, Timberwolves plus seven, Raptors plus four and a half, and as as some of these big series are concerned we talked to you about toronto plus 165 uh, when it comes to that series not worth mentioning a lot on this one i spent the least amount of time on the podcast on it but bucks over bulls in a sweep plus 275 um, there's just well, well first off i'll put it this way there is not a single route i can find for the chicago bulls to win this series and i think the the, the milwaukee bucks wanted this series for a reason it's because they match up extremely well against Chicago. They do not have a physical body to throw at Giannis. At least some teams have like a six foot 10 guy. That's kind of gangly. that can at least try to throw at Giannis Antetokounmpo. Kumpo. Uh, you got Patrick Williams for this, but he's ultimately not ready. Missed a lot of time. There's just nobody to defend Giannis Antetokounmpo. Kumpo. It's a team that loves to run get up and down the floor and transition. The, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks Bulls defensively have not been great in that regard. They give up a ton of shots and then four feet of the basket. This is just a brutal matchup all the way around for the Chicago Bulls. So, I took them over at MGM at plus 275 to win this thing in four, and that's the way I'm going to attack this thing. I think the Bucks picked Chicago because of the matchup, but they picked them because they can dispatch them quickly. They won all four games against them. I think it's 16 out of 17 now uh, in the regular season against the Chicago Bulls. Giannis is just a nightmare for him, and I think this is going to be one that ends relatively quickly. So uh, with that, that's the bets going into the weekend. And again, uh, starting on Sunday, I'm uh, going to I'm gonna have those uh, daily betting market reports that we've done all season long. We're going to start doing those every single day uh, starting on Sunday morning. So let's go to a couple of other series that I really wanted to discuss. Uh, we can't get out of here without diving a little bit deeper into Boston and Brooklyn uh, because this is going to be a lot of fun. Now, we had the dichotomy that, you know, hey, East Coast opened up Brooklyn as a slight favorite in this series. West Coast out here, Jeff Sherbert the guys at the Westgate and others are opening up the Boston Celtics at first as a minus 150 favorite. So now everything's kind of come together depending on where you shop. Celtics minus 130, 135. Um, and they deserve to be favored. They absolutely deserve to be favored here over the Brooklyn Nets. If you look at this from a regular season series perspective, there's not much you can draw from the games that they played. Yes, Boston, 3-1 uh, and one straight up. I think there were two one and one against the spread against the Brooklyn Nets in the regular season. But if you look at it, um, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving available for just one of the four matchups. James Harden played in two of them. So there's not much to draw from the regular season games. But there is one that you can kind of look at to give us maybe what could happen over the course of seven. And that is going to be that game on March 6th. Kind of the lone preview you get between these two. Kevin Durant played. Kyrie Irving played. And, of course, the Boston Celtics were in action. And there's a couple of takeaways here. First off, from a defensive standpoint, we just know that Brooklyn's going to have trouble here in defending and stopping Boston in consecutive, uh, in consecutive possessions. You look at it from this perspective. Uh, KD and Kyrie on the floor together. Their, best, their most used lineup the Brooklyn Nets and Steve Nash, an offensive rating of 118.9, but they only outscore opponents by 1.1 points per 100 possessions in those lineups because they've been so bad on the defensive end of the floor. Their half court setting uh, in their defensive rating in those settings, 101.5 for Brooklyn. You just can't trust that they're going to be able to contain Jason Tatum, uh, Brown, and others on this Celtics team. And you go back to that March 6th game, like I'm talking about Tatum in that game, as we remember, 54 points on 16 to 30 shooting. He was absolutely fantastic. But on the flip side of this, again, because you always want to look at both sides, the devil's advocate part of this and the reason why Brooklyn is always going to kind of be a threat in a single series as opposed to, I think, winning three or four of them, if you go back to that game, Boston had been been playing incredible defense. and They've been doing it for a while now. The Nets went into that game and just nonchalantly put up an offensive rating of 122.4 against the bench defense in the NBA. That's that's a problem. Kevin Durant is a really good player. Historically, if you go back to that first-round series that they played last year, 32.6 points per game on 54.6% shooting for Kevin Durant in that series win over uh, Boston last season, he's a problem for them, and he's been a problem for them, and he's going to be a problem for any team that they face. But I think ultimately, when it comes down to what makes the differences here, winning on the margins, it's that the Boston Celtics are the team that is more capable of winning those tiny little battles and getting a few more stops when they need to, as opposed to the Brooklyn Nets. So uh, all of these series previews and series picks, I've got Boston and seven, are going to be up on the website, vcin.com slash JVT. And I, I got to say, the one time I'll promote everything, uh, I got a lot of stuff. We got the uh, episode with Kelly Bidlin that's up on Hardwood Handicappers. So you can check that out. Hour and a half, series previews, every single one of those. Um Write-ups for today's play-in games up on VEASAN.com slash JVT. Eastern Conference previews are live. Western Conference previews up in a few hours. Anything you need from a betting perspective on the NBA, hit it up, VEASAN.com slash NBA or slash JVT. With that, we are all done. My guys in the desert coming up next. Postseason begins tomorrow. I'm excited. I know you are too. And I'll see you on Sunday for Hardwood Handicappers at 3 p.m. Pacific. Have a good weekend, everybody.